Well, good morning, church family. My name is Jeffrey Samplaski. I'm the student and college pastor here at Great Hills. It is my great privilege to have the opportunity to open the word with you today. Um, as you've already heard, Pastor Danny, the lead pastor here at Great Hills, has been down and out this week. He picked up some, something um, that has had him pretty much at home in bed uh, for the, the past week. Um, we miss him, um, definitely praying for him, um, but he's asked me to step in this morning and kind of pinch hit for him um, as he's at home resting. So the way that I want to start this morning um, is I, I want to encourage you guys to grab your phones if you've got those with you. I know that you do. I know what century we live in. It's okay. I want to encourage you, take your phone and go to Danny's Facebook page and just send him a really quick encouraging message. Send him a quick prayer, just a quick word. Just let him know you love him. Do it quick because I want to make sure that we get back into the word. Um, but but I, I'm convinced, I think just an encouraging word sometimes just goes so far. So if you guys will just blow up his Facebook page, let him know we love him and that we're here for him, that we miss him and that, um, that, that we're definitely praying for him. That said, um, if you've got your Bibles, let me invite you to go to Jonah chapter 1. So we're going to be taking a, a quick break today from the, the Acts series that we're going through. Of course, as you know, for several months, and it's likely going to be several years, that we're going to be studying through the, the book of Acts, which deals with the Acts of the Apostles that are empowered by the Spirit of God. It's an amazing book. Well, today we're going to take a little bit of a break from there. We're going to go to the book of Jonah. And I was really encouraged as I begin to study Friday for today, um, really encouraged about how God's Word just, it's consistent from cover to cover, from page to page. I love that. Because today what we're going to talk about in a lot of ways deals directly with what we're talking about and what we see revealed in the book of Acts. So I want to encourage you to go there, take your Bibles. If you don't know how to get there, that's okay. I recognize this is maybe a little bit of a harder book for some to find. Go to the table of contents at the front of your Bible. That's okay. That, that's a good thing. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Um, another way, you can go to the book of Matthew, which is a lot of the time a relatively easy book to, to, to find in the Bible. And just flip left a couple of books and you'll, you'll get there. Or you can just elbow the person next to me and say, hey, help me find the book of Jonah. And, and they will, or they'll, they'll act like they're, they can get you there. Um, but either way, go to the book of Jonah. I'm excited about studying through the first six verses of Jonah 1. Jonah 1, 1 through 6 this morning. This is a, a book that our student ministry, our college ministry should be relatively familiar with as we preach through it like a a 10-week sermon series through the book of Jonah last semester. Um, you might ask, how do you get 10 weeks out of four chapters? You would be surprised. There is so much rich theology and truth that's revealed there. Um, so this morning, we're going to spend all of our time focused on the first six verses. But I would encourage you to later in time, go read through, study through this book on your own. Is like I said, there is so much rich theology here. And I think as you go and study this on your own, um, you'll begin to see just the, the brilliance of our God as he scripted this book years and years before the coming of Jesus. So two questions that I want to ask you this morning, and that I would encourage you to write down, whether that's at the top of your, your worship guide, uh, those probably say Acts 5, 
Um, we're not going to be in Acts 5. I think I've already said that. So don't be confused if what I'm saying doesn't line up with that perfectly. But somewhere on your worship guide, type it into your phone, write it on your arm, something like that. I want to give you two questions this morning that I want to encourage you to, to really put some thought into. To maybe later in time, go into your prayer closet and pray over these questions and ask God to reveal the answers for you to those questions. These questions were something that I, I very much believe God gave me several years ago, and God used this to radically transform the direction of my life. Are you ready for those questions? Question number two. What is, <laughs> question number two. Question number one. Yeah, um, one, one generally comes before two, just in case you were wondering. So question number one, what has God called you to? Question number two, are you being obedient to that call? Once again, because I want to make sure that we get these. Question number one, what has God called you to? Question number two, are you being obedient to that call? And again, take those truths, or those questions later. I would highly encourage it. And just pray through them and ask God to reveal the answers to those questions in your life. And then I would encourage you. And I'll say this again later too. I would encourage you, yield yourself to the answers that God gives you. Oh, my friends, church family, it is so sweet when we're obedient to God's design. It is so good when we're obedient to the things of God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is what it looks like to be obedient. We're also going to take a look at, a pretty big look at, what it looks like to not be obedient to the things of God. And this morning, my goal is to simply draw a handful of truths out of Jonah chapter 1. They're truths that are already in Scripture. I didn't add them. Uh, that's one thing that, that we don't want to do anytime we preach the Word. You know what? One of the things that I love about Great Hills, I love the fact that whether it's behind this pulpit or whether it's in a classroom setting or just any other platform where the Word of God is taught, we, we adhere to the faithful teaching of God's word. We're going to teach God's word faithfully because the reality of it is by my own wisdom, my own craftiness, I don't have the words of life. Oh, but my friends, the word of God contains the words of life. So our goal this morning is simply to draw out truth that's already revealed in scripture and just set those truths um, set them free. And that's our goal this morning. So with that being said, let's go to Jonah chapter one. Let me read this passage for us and then we'll highlight those truths. So starting in verse one, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
Heavenly Father, sovereign God of the universe, we are here for your glory. We are here to hear from you. So, Father, I pray, God, I pray, Father, I pray that your truth would go forth. Father, this is your church. These are your people. God, they need to hear from you. God, they don't need to hear from me. Apart from you, John 15 says, I can do nothing. So, Father, I pray that you would speak. God, I pray that you would set our gaze on your glory. So much so, God, that we would lose sight of the one that's standing behind the pulpit. Father, I pray that your name would be magnified this morning because you alone are worthy. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So as I said this morning, I want to give you just a handful of truths. I would encourage you to take them and write them down, to to go pray over them, to go measure them up in your own time um, studying the word with what, what scripture says. So this morning... Just jumping right into it, the first truth that I want to give you is when God calls, we go. Another way to say it is when God commands, we do. This passage at the very beginning, the very outset of Jonah, introduces us to three three characters, if you will, for lack of a better way to say it. The first person that's introduced in this passage is Jonah. Jonah is a prophet. If you're not familiar with what that is, in the Old Testament, God would set aside people that that he would speak a message into. He would give them some type of direction, command, some type of rebuke, something like that. He would speak that message into the prophet and then tell them to go proclaim that message to a certain people. And the the idea was that this person, this prophet, would simply go to whatever people group that it was that God called him to go to and just proclaim the message that God called him to proclaim. That's what Jonah was. Jonah was a prophet. God would speak to him and he would preach whatever message it was that God gave him. So that's number one, Jonah. However, the thing that I want us to remember is that Jonah is not the most important person in this book. Jonah is not the central character of this book. The fish isn't either. The most significant character, if you will, the central player in the book of Jonah, just like every other book in the Bible, is God. This book from cover to cover is about God. I love that. That's why we can't unhitch the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament is so relevant. In fact, I'm increasingly convicted and shown that if we want to see the character of God most clearly, go to the Old Testament. It's incredible. From start to finish, this book, the Bible, meaning the Bible, from start to finish, reveals the character and the work of our God. So this book is all about our God. It reveals his redemptive story. It's incredible. Almost as if our God knew that one day Jesus would come. He's brilliant like that. The third person or character in this passage that I want to point us to is the people of Nineveh. People of Nineveh were a ruthless people. These were an Assyrian people. They were known historically for their ruthless tactics. Uh, they, were, they were brutal. Oftentimes, somebody that would 
the people that the Assyrians would direct their brutality to were their neighbors to the south, the people of Israel, Jonah being a part of those people. So oftentimes, um, the Assyrians would, would brutalize the, the, the Israelite people. Now, what we see in this passage is God is declaring or God is telling Jonah to go into this particular area, the people of Nineveh, and declare some type of message, right? Do, do we see that? Do we see those three characters here? So, so what is that message that God is declaring, that God is telling Jonah to go proclaim among the Ninevite, these, these brutal, ruthless people? As you study through the book of Jonah, what we'll see is that he's telling him to go declare a message that will cause the people of Nineveh to turn from their wicked ways, turn from their sinfulness, and follow God. And ultimately, what we're going to see in a little while is that Jonah ran from that, from that calling. And he ran from that calling ultimately because he knew that God would have mercy on them. Isn't that interesting? God told Jonah to go. And Jonah said, no. God called Jonah to go and to declare this, this message of repentance to the people of Nineveh because God sets his affections on who he wants to set his affections on. Oh, my friends, our God is zealous for the nations. But do you hear the gospel thread in that? This is incredible. God calls Jonah to go and declare this message of repentance to a hostile people, to a brutal people. And Jonah says what? By his actions, he says no. Instead of going to Nineveh, he, he gets on a boat, goes down to a boat, and heads to Tarshish, literally in the opposite direction. Because he told God no. But do you hear the gospel thread in that? God sent Jesus to dwell among a sinful people, a rebellious people who rebelled against the things of God to declare a gospel of repentance so that the rebel heart would turn from their wicked ways and follow him. Oh, my friends, we have a brilliant God that all the way back in the New Testament, God had a plan of redeeming sinfully lost people to himself. This is the God that we serve. Whereas Jonah was disobedient in God's call, Jesus was perfectly obedient in coming to earth to declare that gospel message. Oh, my friends, praise God that he did. Because that means that we can be forgiven of our sins and brought into the family of God. It is purely an act of God that you and I can be a part of the family of God. So once again, just remember, God called Jonah, and Jonah said no. And we have a cricket friend somewhere in here. Am I the only one hearing that? So we'll do the best that we can. Sorry, ADD, our students should be used to that. So God calls Jonah, and Jonah says no. Ultimately, what this is about is Jonah was being disobedient to the things of God. Remember, Nineveh was a brutal people. Jonah very likely had experienced this kind of brutality. And if I can be honest with you, there's a part of me that can come somewhat understand what Jonah's going through. God has called Jonah to go preach this message in the, the middle of a, a people group who have brutalized his people. And Jonah's having a little bit of a, a struggle with that. That's why he ran. 
But what's interesting is Jonah, Jonah didn't know what would happen to him when he went to Nineveh. Jonah, Jonah didn't know ultimately that, that God would take the people of Nineveh from the greatest of these to the least of these and turn their hearts back to him. Jonah, Jonah didn't know that. For all he, know, all he knew, he would go to Nineveh and he would be put to death. It had happened before. Jonah didn't know those things because God didn't reveal those things. All God said was go. Go and preach the message that I've called you to preach. You see, ultimately what this is about was obedience. You see, God didn't call Jonah to rationalize whether or not he was comfortable with what God had called him to. God didn't call Jonah to sit back in the corner after he called him and say, let's see, the people of Nineveh, that one time they did this, they did that, they did the other. Eh, maybe I'm okay with, with what God's calling me to do. Maybe next week I'll be a little more okay with it. God didn't call Jonah to rationalize whether or not he was comfortable. God called Jonah to be obedient. Oh friend, that's what this is about. Several years ago, a friend of mine had a statement that was on his mind that, that I, I very much believe that, that God birthed into my friend's mind. And it's kind of been his anthem for years and years. And it's something that God has used to transform my heart. And it is this statement, obedience is mine, the results are his. Obedience is mine, the results are his. Oh, my friends, God has called us to be an obedient people, a people that are obedient to his design. The results, they can be left up to him and rest completely in his mighty hands. So ultimately, this is, about, this is about obedience. So once again, my question, what has God called you to? And are you being obedient to that call? Now let's go on. Truth number two that I want us to see, running from God always leads to destruction. So going to Jonah chapter one, verse three, it says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. So once again, what we've seen is that God has called Jonah to go declare this message of, this message of, of repentance to the people in Nineveh. Jonah runs from the presence of the Lord, gets into a ship, down into the ship, down into the inner parts of the ship, and tries to sail away out of the presence of the Lord to a place called Tarshish. So it's, what's so interesting is if you look at this book, there's some interesting language that's used here. So several times you see the word down used. Jonah went down to Joppa, down into the ship. This is a euphemism for death. There's a bunch of interesting stuff like that in the book of Jonah. Ultimately what this is showing us is that with each step of rebellion against God, Jonah is falling further and further into destruction. Brothers and sisters, this is exactly what happens when we say no to God. With each step of disobedience, it, leaves, it leads us closer and closer to destruction. Have you ever taken a second to think about just the insanity of sin? There was something in this passage that floored me. 
as I was studying in preparation for the sermon series that we went through um, this time last year in the college and, and student ministries. In verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose to flee from, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Taking a second to think about that. Remember, God calls Jonah. Jonah runs. But what is he running from? He's running from the presence of the Lord. Do, do you hear that? Do you hear the insanity in that? Let, let me remind you about who it is that we're talking about in this passage. This is the sovereign God of the universe that created all things, that sustains all things, that sees all things, that knows all things. This is the God of the universe that is rivaled by no one or anything. There is nothing that is too difficult for our God. And now we've got Jonah who's attempting, this feeble little man, attempting to run from the very presence of that God. Do you hear the insanity of that? Church, disobedience to God makes us do some crazy things. It really does. Take a look at the, take a look at the news. My wife and I are regularly just struck by some of the craziness that we see on TV when we flip the news on at the end of the day. Am I the only one that feels that, senses that? But what's interesting is if you really think about it, all the way back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 1 and 2, man, humanity was created to live in harmony with God. In Genesis chapter 3, what do they do? They told God no. And as a result, sin entered into the world. When they said, my way's better than yours, I'm going to do what I want rather than what you want. And as a result of that, generations and generations and generations of just sin. And now look at where we're at. Oh, friends, why should we be surprised when we flip on the TV and see the things that we, we have going on around us? It all started with a no. Oh, my friend, can you imagine what it looks like when we say yes to our God? When we say yes to our God, my friends, church family, it doesn't lead to chaos. It leads to order. It leads to hope. And it's good. Why is that? Because our God knows far better than we do what's best for us. So once again, just remember that. Saying no to God always leads to destruction. But I, I want to make good and sure that I point something out here. Notice what Jonah said no to. God calls Jonah. Jonah runs from God. Notice what Jonah says no to. Verse 1, now the word of the Lord came. Church family, I have to make good and sure that I point this out. Jonah said no to the word of God, to the word of the Lord. Especially in today's culture, I feel like I need to point that out and make that as clear as I can. We live in a culture that says truth is whatever you want it to be. And I can't say what truth is to somebody else because there's that fear of I'm going to impose on them because their truth is their truth and my truth is my truth. The reality of it is, church, it is not up to us to define what truth is. Our, our, the, the, by design, our part in all of this is to be obedient to the truth that God has already revealed in his word. 
Church family, this book is out of the very mouth of the sovereign God of the universe. He is all wise. He knows what he's doing, my friends. When God gave us this book, when God told us how we as believers should live our lives, should conduct ourselves, he wasn't giving us this book as some like narcissistic deity in the sky. Oh, my friends, when God calls us to be obedient, he, give, he calls us to be obedient through his word because ultimately as the sovereign, almighty, all-knowing God of the universe, he knows what's best for his people. Oh, my friends, when we are obedient to the things of God, we get to walk in harmony and fellowship with the sovereign God of the universe. Why, oh, why would we want any different? But once again, let me show you what Jonah was disobedient to was the word of God. Church family, I want to make sure that I don't leave the impression. I want to make sure that I don't leave the impression this morning that what God is after, purely after, is our obedience. I don't want to get up here and say, just get in line, church. Walk the straight and narrow. I think that misses the point. The reality of it is, according to what Scripture says, because of the sin that's in our hearts, we don't have within us the ability to walk the straight and narrow. You see, the, the issue here is, is not that God is purely after our obedience. Oh, no, church, God is after so much more. He's after your heart. You see, ultimately what this passage reveals is a heart issue for Jonah. Jonah's heart was not inclined to be obedient to God, so because of it, he wasn't. So ultimately, when we are not obedient to the things of God, it reveals a much deeper issue, and that's an issue of the heart. When our hearts are transformed, our feet follow. That is by God's design. Church, that's so good. Have you ever taken a second to really think about it? It's so good that God, though, yes, we are to be an obedient people, God didn't leave it up to us to do it on our own. In fact, in the book of Jonah, what you see is that God calls Jonah to be obedient, to go declare the, the message that what? That I will give you. This is not a message of Jonah. This is a message of God. Oh, my friends, where do we get the impression that God has called us to be obedient by our own power? Oh, my friends, when the Spirit of God moves inside of us, moves into our hearts, He transforms our hearts to be in line with His, and through that calls us to live lifestyles of obedience. Oh, my friends, obedience to the Word of God. Remember, the trustworthy Word of God leads to obedience. But disobedience to the word of God leads to destruction. But remember, we can trust this God. This is a loving father who knows what's best for us, my friends. When he says something, even if in us it doesn't feel right, our hearts are deceitful. But even when our hearts don't feel right, we can rest assured that we can be obedient to this word and we can rest assured that what God says is good because, my friends, he is a good, good father. And what he knows and what he commands is best. Outside of the will of God is destruction, my friends. He's given us a way to walk in fellowship with him. 
Point number three, with the last little bit of time that we have, God is sovereign over storms. He's also sovereign to send storms. God is sovereign over storms. He is also sovereign to send storms. Verse four, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God, but they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down, there's another one, down into the inner part of the ship and he had laid down and was fast asleep so that the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Oh, church, do you you hear that? This is incredible. I love the the way that the writer penned this book. Verse, Verse four, but the Lord. Jonah is running from God's command, running from God's word down into the ship down to to Joppa, getting closer and closer and closer to destruction because he's running from the very thing that will keep him safe next next to the side of his creator. And as he runs, he's still running. What does God do? I love this, but the Lord. God intervened. Jonah is running and God intervened. Do you hear the gospel overtone in that? Ephesians tells us that we are sinfully lost people. We are a people that are separated from God. In fact, rebels to God, but God intervened. Praise God that he did. How did he do it? He did it by sending Jesus. And Jesus came with, hmm, Jesus came with perfect obedience. He went to the cross with perfect obedience not having sinned, not having rebelled against God, not having told God no. He died a sinner's death on our behalf so that sinfully lost people can now be made children of God. I love that God intervenes the way that he does. He interrupts our plans the way that he does. Look at the way that he does it. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest so that the ship threatened to break up. This has the idea of a a javelin thrower. The Lord hurled. So he took this storm and just hurled it in Jonah's direction. Landed in the sea. The sea began to get crazy. It threatened to break up the ship. Notice what God did. Just like a javelin thrower is precise, God sent this storm in Jonah's way with precision. Like I said a minute ago, this is not like some little child in the sky throwing a temper tantrum and just throws fire in everybody's direction because he's angry at something and just as a result affects and hurts everybody in the wake. Oh no, my friends, when our God sends a storm, he's precise. And this is good. You see what God did is he hurled like a javelin, hurled this storm in Jonah's direction so that it would break up, threaten to break up that which Jonah was using to run from him. Do you see that? The ship. Oh, my friends, when we're being disobedient to the things of God, when we're being disobedient to God's design, do not be surprised if God sends a storm in your direction. I want to be clear. Sometimes we walk through storms in this world. 
just by virtue of being in a broken world. I want to make absolutely clear that I'm not giving the impression this morning that, that if you're walking through a storm right now, it's in direct relation to, to some sin that's in your life. Sometimes we just walk through stuff in this world. I'm sorry. If you're a believer, it's not going to last forever. Hang on. <laughs> the reward for that suffering is coming. Oh, my friends, it's going to be worth it. But sometimes when we're walking through a sin issue in our life, some area of disobedience, God will with great precision allow a storm to come in our direction to break up that which is leading us away from him. Could that be your finances? Could that be pride? Could that be arrogance? Whatever that might look like. And my friends, once again, allow me to remind you This is good. It is good when we're running from God that God would intervene, that God would send a storm to break up that which is keeping us away from Him. Why is that? Because ultimately the desire of his heart is that everyone would come to repentance. The reason that God hurled that storm in Jonah's direction as Jonah attempted to run from the presence of God, as crazy as that sounds, is so that Jonah would turn around and walk in line with the things of God. My, my friends, take a look at this. This is incredible. Jonah says yes. He gets to go on God's mission with him. And regardless of the outcome of what happens when he gets to Nineveh, he gets to be a part of God's plan. And he gets to rest in the fact that the one that is sending him is not just sending him, but he's going with him. And he gets to rest in the fact that he is beside the side of the sovereign God of the universe. Oh, my friends, sometimes God sends storms to break up that which is keeping us from him. But when he does that, he's doing that to draw us back to himself. Church family, that is good. Church family, this kind of correction It doesn't have to be that bad. If this is you and you're living in an area of disobedience, friend, God will allow us to walk through those storms and sometimes those storms get more and more severe. Oh, but my friends, when we turn back to him, when we turn back to him, he is a good father that will take us by his side. As you study through the book of Jonah, what we'll see is that God never totally destroyed Jonah. It took a big fish and it took some really severe circumstances to draw him back. But ultimately, Jonah went to Nineveh and he preached a message that, in my opinion, wasn't even that great. 
But God used that message to turn people from the greatest of these to the least of these back to himself. And when he did that, all glory is given to the God who does the sending and the God who does the going with those he sends. Oh, church family, how sweet it is to walk in obedience to our God. Believer, if you're here walking in an area of disobedience, I want to call you to repent of that, to come back to the side of our good shepherd. I also want to give you a little bit of encouragement. Church family, you will fall at times. Church family, you will be disobedient at times. As long as we live in this world, we will fall because we still battle our sin nature in this world. In these cases, beloved, throw yourself at the mercy of our God. Let him lift you back up. Let him, let him dust you off. Let him set your gaze back on himself. Believer, remember, you have the king of glory living inside of you. Lift up your head. The shame of your condemnation does not belong to you anymore. It was crucified 2,000 years ago when your king hung on a tree. Oh, my friend, don't let the deceiver try and convince you that your falling disqualifies you. My friend, when we throw ourselves at the mercy of our God, he is faithful and just to forgive. My friend, be encouraged. We have a God that will stop at nothing to draw you into his side because that's where it's good. To the unbeliever, to the unbeliever, there is a destruction that's coming for our disobedience. It far outweighs anything that we can even begin to imagine. Friend, if we've never put our faith in Jesus Christ, in the one who came to obediently preach the message of repentance that's referred to all the way through this book, friend, if we've never thrown ourselves at the mercy of our God, then friend, there is a judgment that's waiting that far outweighs anything we can even begin to imagine. You may say, Jeffrey, well, that's harsh. No, what would be harsh is if I didn't tell you about it. Beloved, what would be harsh is if God didn't send a son to declare that to us. But here's the hope he has. Oh, my friend, if you were separated from God, if you don't know him, it is not too late. As long as you have breath in your lungs, there is hope. And the hope is found in Jesus. What happens when we put our belief in Jesus is that he covers us with the blood of Christ. Our sin is placed on Jesus. His righteousness is placed on us. God gives us a new heart that's inclined to be obedient to the things of God. And we have the hope of a future glory with him. Oh, my friends, it is worth it. Come to Jesus. Friend, that destruction does not have to happen. Because God sent his obedient servant, Jesus, to declare a message of repentance. 
so that those people would be saved, so that rebellious people would be saved from the coming wrath of our God. Believer, when we throw ourselves at the mercy of our God, God transforms our hearts to beat in tune with his, and the result is obedience. Even if we don't know what that, how things are going to turn out, even if with everything in us, everything is screaming, go the other way, when we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, a heart that's inclined to be obedient to the things of God, when we're obedient, we can rest in the fact that our Savior is going with us and that one day when this world is over with, we will be with, with the prize of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, it is worth the temporary struggle. My friends, may we be known as the church that's obedient to the things of God. May we be the church that's, that's faithful. When we are faithful to the things of God, my friends, church, that is the church that God uses to magnify his name to the ends of the earth. May that be said about Great Hills. Let's pray. God, thanks for the day. Thank you for the gift of the day that you have given us, Father. Thank you for the beauty that's in your word, Father, the truth that's revealed in your word. Father, I pray that your word would lead us to action. God, I pray that out of this group of people, you would lead us to be a people that are relentlessly obedient to you. Father, because that's good. You as the good Father know what's best for us. Father, I pray that we would be a people that regardless of where you send us, when you say go, we'll go. What you say do, we'll do. Oh, Father, I pray that that would be the case for this church. I recognize there's so many people in here, Father, that are pursuing this kind of obedience. God, I'm so grateful. Encourage them to keep going. Father, spur them on. Father, for those that are holding on to something that seems hidden, Father, you desire that they would lay that down and come follow you because what you have is so much sweeter. Father, I pray that we would be the faithful church. Father, would you use this church mightily to glorify your name, to magnify your name, because you alone are worthy. Father, thank you for this church. God, I, I love these people. But God, I lift them up to you because you love them far, far more. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. The church family, is, our worship team comes to to lead one last song. Uh, this last song is going to be our, our time of response. We recognize that any time that the word is taught, it, it leads our hearts to a response of some sort. So there's going to be pastors and church leaders lined up across the front of the auditorium. I want to encourage you to come grab one of these leaders. As the spirit moves in your heart, come grab one of them and just say, hey, this is what's going on. Allow that person to pray with you, to minister to you. But, but, but my plea with you, my encouragement to you this morning, church, is that when the Spirit of God speaks into your heart and leads you to move, that you would. That, that, that we would follow his leading. So whatever that, that looks like, when we begin to sing, have the freedom to move.